We are still working towards a cure for tinnitus. But there have been major advances in our treatment of the physiologic and psychologic triggers for the condition. Going forward, what are the most important investigational issues in tinnitus research? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. Richard Salvi, Professor in the Department of Communicative Disorders and Sciences and Director of the Center for Hearing and Deafness at the State University of New York at Buffalo School of Medicine. Dr. Salvi is an internationally respected expert on tinnitus. Welcome, Dr. Salvi. Glad to be here to talk to your audience about tinnitus. We are discussing the future of tinnitus research and treatment. Dr. Selvi, would you please review for us, if you would, some of the main treatments currently available for tinnitus? I would put the main treatment as being a combination of sound therapy, counseling, and education. And there are a number of these involved, usually having a sound generator and coupled with counseling to the patient to reduce the anxiety associated with it and educating about the causes of tinnitus. Another very effective treatment would be the use of a hearing aid. If the patient has hearing loss, the hearing aid will amplify the sound in the environment, oftentimes to the point that it reduces the tinnitus perception, makes you largely unaware of it, and you get some hearing benefit. So these are very effective treatments that are currently available for patients. There are more experimental treatments that are out there right now, One of them is transcranial magnetic stimulation. This is a technique where you inject a focused magnetic field into the areas of the brain where you think tinnitus might be generated in the auditory cortex. And this magnetic field basically sets up a miniature electric field and disrupts the tinnitus generator. This oftentimes will give relief for minutes, hours, or in some cases weeks or maybe even months. It's largely experimental right now, but may become more common in the future. We're waiting uh, more results to see whether this is going to become more commonplace. Now, thinking about when I was a youngster, I had a transistor radio and an earplug, and the earplug never seemed loud enough, and it certainly didn't have good acoustics. But nowadays, you get these special earplugs in earphones that sound like you have a stereophonic speaker system right in your head. And with rock concerts that have such loud sounds and people driving in automobiles that have very fancy stereo systems, can we expect the number of cases of tinnitus to rise in the coming years? I think that's a very distinct possibility. I talked to some clinicians who claim that they're seeing young children with what are called noise notches, hearing losses in the 4 to 6 kilohertz range, and these are often associated with being around automobiles that have these very souped-up stereo systems in them, listening to uh, music players at very high levels over long periods of time. These all uh, expose young people to the risk of getting hearing loss at a very early age, And once this gets started, it's pretty much irreversible. On the market, there are some special headphones that are called noise-canceling headphones. Are these in any way related to some of the devices and theories used in tinnitus treatment? 
Yeah, the noise-canceling earphones are basically designed to capture sounds that sort of get through the earmuff. Once the sounds get past the earmuff, they put in an anti-sound that cancels the sound out. So it effectively gets rid of the sound by putting in an anti-sound that's 180 degrees out of phase. These are actually very effective for reducing low-frequency sounds in the environment. There's been some thought about using an anti-sound to suppress tinnitus, and this, in fact, might work if, in fact, tinnitus were generated in the inner ear. Unfortunately, we think that tinnitus is generated in the brain, and these noise-canceling devices, I'm unaware of any that have proved effective in suppressing tinnitus because the generator for tinnitus resides in the brain, not in the sound environment that sort of reaches our ear. Is there any future for medication therapy involving serotonin metabolism or dopamine or other neurotransmitters? Yes, there's some patients that actually can benefit from medications. Dr. Levine at Harvard has done some work with a special group of patients who report having tinnitus that sounds like a typewriter. He calls it typewriter tinnitus. And he has had some reports out saying that these people respond well to Tegretol or carbamazepine. So there may be a subclass of people, tinnitus patients, that might be treated with drug therapies. Another drug company in Germany or Europe called Mertz, M-E-R-Z, is experimenting with a compound that interferes with a glutamate receptor called the NMDA receptor, and they are working with the drugs that block the NMDA receptor. And these drugs are some of the same drugs that are used to treat Alzheimer's patients. One of the drugs is called Namenda, I think, that's used for Alzheimer's. And the compound Mertz has, they're testing it out right now to see if it's effective for treating tinnitus patients. So Mertz has clinical trials ongoing, and I have not seen the data yet for it but they obviously are optimistic because they're running an expensive clinical trial to see if it's effective. I've heard anecdotal reports from some people that have tried these NMDA antagonists, and they say they have not had any benefit. I've heard reports from other people that they have proved beneficial, but we really need the large-scale clinical trials to see if they're effective. The other point that I would make about drug trials is There probably are drugs that work, but we have to find out which drugs work with which patient. So in the example I gave you with typewriter tinnitus, if you can categorize the tinnitus as being a particular type of tinnitus, you may have a drug that will work for that particular type of tinnitus. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. Richard Salvi, professor in the Department of Communicative Disorders and Sciences and director of the Center for Hearing and Deafness at the State University of New York at Buffalo School of Medicine. Dr. Salvi is an internationally respected expert on tinnitus. We are discussing the future of tinnitus research and treatment. Dr. Salvi, are there any side effects to the current treatments? The sound therapies, there are very little side effects from it, and so I often recommend that because the side effects are really minimal. The downside to most of the sound therapy and counseling is they don't work instantaneously. It usually takes a matter of six months or a year for people to really experience significant benefit. 
the other treatment strategies that involve drugs, these always have some risks associated with them. So I would put them in the second line of our third line of approaches to treating tinnitus. I think it would be wise, I think, to start, most patients to start off with sound therapy and counseling because these have proven to be relatively effective for most patients. Do most commercial insurance companies cover treatment for tinnitus? Unfortunately, most insurance companies do not cover treatment for tinnitus. I think the problem is unrecognized. It's not considered significant, and it doesn't affect a large enough patient population. It has really not captured the attention of the healthcare professionals. This may be changing. The VA has programs now for military personnel that suffer from intractable tinnitus, and so there are some programs within the VA to treat patients at sort of the expense of the Veterans Administration uh, hospitals. But this has taken a long time. I think it will take some years to get this uh, approved by the health insurance companies. Are these devices uh, using sound therapy very expensive? You're really paying for two things. You're paying for the counseling as well as the sound devices. And because the therapies run for six months to a year, they run upwards of about $2,500 up to five to $6,000. But many patients are more than willing to pay for the treatments because they feel that's very beneficial. You mentioned that there was research going on in many different countries as well as the United States. How is all of this coordinated? One of the means for coordinating this is an organization that started a few years ago in Europe. It's called the Tinnitus Research Initiative. They've made a strong effort to develop research teams that coordinate activities between Europe, Asia, South America, North America, and they've developed some working groups. And they've been very effective in terms of bringing researchers and clinicians together to try to push various uh, treatment modalities and to develop the research programs to focus on different aspects of tinnitus. Are there multi-center extensive clinical trials underway to evaluate uh, the longer-term ramifications of treatment for tinnitus? There have been a few small-scale clinical trials, usually one or two centers doing this. I would not put any of them in terms of the very large scale where you have 10 or 15 different centers. Our university is participating in one clinical trial that's being orchestrated from the University of Iowa, and so we're one of the sub-sites of this. But there are relatively few programs like this. Most of the programs right now tend to be a single center doing one particular aspect of tinnitus. Are us medical professionals providing enough attention to this disorder? I would generally say that most family practice or ENT physicians have not given tinnitus serious consideration. Most of them are unaware of the fact that there are some treatment strategies available for patients. And the treatment strategies that we recommend most often are sound therapy, counseling, and education. A good way to find a audiologist or other clinician that works in this area with treating tinnitus patients is to contact the American Tinnitus Association in Portland, Oregon. Their website is www.ata.org, and that organization has compiled a list of clinicians that are involved in treating tinnitus patients. So 
when a patient contacts me from another part of the United States, I usually refer them to the American Tinnitus Association, asking them to find a clinician in their area that's experienced in working with tinnitus patients. So I think the general practitioners, the ENT doctors, could use the ATA as a resource for helping them to find uh, treatments for their patients. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Richard Salvi. We've been discussing the future of tinnitus research and treatment. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.